Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on 20 Never Kevins and the McCarthy Kisses this Tuesday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, I'm not a coffee drinker, but one sniff of coffee beans brings me a moment of both solace and wistfulness. When our teenage daughter, Melissa, was making her bedroom uniquely hers, she filled a bowl with coffee beans to permeate her room with a warm, pleasant scent. It's been nearly two decades since Melissa's earthly life ended in a car accident at the age of 17. But we still have that coffee bean bowl. It gives us a continual aromatic remembrance of Mel's life with us. Scripture also uses fragrances as a reminder. Song of Songs refers to fragrances as a symbol of love between a man and a woman. In Hosea, God's forgiveness of Israel is said to be fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. And Mary's anointing of Jesus' feet, which caused the house of Mary and her siblings to be filled with the fragrance of the perfume, pointed ahead to Jesus' death. The idea of fragrance can also help us be mindful of our testimony of faith to those around us. Paul explained it this way, We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Just as the scent of coffee beans reminds me of Melissa, May our lives produce a scent of Jesus and his love that reminds others of their need of him. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Help us to pass along an aroma of life that makes others know that I represent you. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your Tuesday episode of Right Spokane Perspective. Boy, I'll tell you, man, this last three or four days, you know, with the confirmation of the Speaker of the House, uh, you know, a feat, an event which hasn't occurred. And from what I understand, Tim, it's like 154 years since something like this last occurred. And yeah, uh, right, what we're right talking about, the, about. That was that was right about the time that they started, you know, sweeping the Constitution under the red carpet for all of the <laughs> yes. all, all of the donors and all of the special people that are in places of power. I mean, it got to the point where why do we elect, you know, 400, is it 435? Yeah. Something, yeah. Because yeah. we, we don't have Obama's 57 states yet. No. So, yeah, 435 individuals to Congress. If it's all lockstep and they're all going to say the same thing, why pay them all? let's have five just have five so you know it is kind of nice to see something shake up and of course the media is not honest about what happened for the most part and everybody's thinking oh this is not showing unity uh i think america was about the individual if it was all about unity we'd all be you know just uh, i don't know robots and we'd all be the same we'd all have the same standing around holding hands in a circle singing kumbaya all of our bathrooms would have the same two-tone paint job (laughs) you know the the same decorations we just all be the same and yeah that's not how this country was supposed to work so i think there was a lot of misinformation and misconceptions about how congress is supposed to work for the last 150 years they've been pushing that ball 
ball further down the ignorance road of how government actually operates in a representative republic. And now we got to see it. And hopefully some Americans learned a few things in the process. Well, let's hope so, man, because I'll tell you what, after 15 votes, man, you know, and, and every one of those 15 votes, I mean, it didn't look like the, the staunch Republicans, the far right, as they are known in media circles, those Republicans were going to end up moving. So hence right. my comments with regard to the McCarthy kisses McCarthy and kisses, uh, yeah. got a little article hot in the hands here from loyalconservative.com. This thing is entitled, what did McCarthy promise the never Kevins? And this particular article was posted on Sunday, January 8th. Now, after 15 rounds of voting, the longest house speaker contest in 154 years, Kevin McCarthy has finally won the speakership of the house of representatives after a long tumultuous and occasionally violent journey and yes ladies and gentlemen violence for sure violence because it was like I, january 6th all over <laughs> again i told you mike this last no kidding, week it was man. january 6th it was gonna happen and they, no they, kidding. they did it to themselves this time i mean there was I, I don't know who the congressman was that got aggressive but this guy i mean on video had to be restrained in a chokehold in a neck hold i believe he was because chair. he was about ready to get bashing on matt gates I, I believe he's a chair of one of the committees that matt gates is on actually uh-huh. but, yeah well, well well just you that, know that was pretty hot <laughs> it, does, it doesn't really matter who it was it's it's nice to see i mean you know we need robust debate and they always talk about robust debate and they all just have the same talking points nothing happens yep. everybody does the wink and the nod it's nice to see a little bit of physical restraint to stop the violence at the capitol <laughs> you know you gotta no stop kidding. the violence at the capitol as congress finally took action to do that yep they did didn't they that's right now after a long tumultuous and occasionally violent journey mccarthy became the house speaker on friday night convening the 118th Congress. So how did he finally manage to do it? By adopting Donald Trump's art of the deal negotiating style, McCarthy managed to clinch the position. CNN and The Hill aren't the only ones reporting that McCarthy made compromises to the ultra conservatives who still wouldn't vote for him. McCarthy made a bombshell admission that might spell the end of his political career. Significantly, any member of the House of Representatives can now initiate what amounts to a no-confidence vote by calling for a resolution to vacate the Speaker's chair. CNN said moderates fear that McCarthy will lose ground if this passes since conservatives fought hard for it. According to The Hill, Republicans and Democrats are experiencing heartburn over the prospect that this might undermine McCarthy's authority and give the ultra-conservatives a strong bargaining chip. Well, you know, I'll tell you something, man. Right out of McCarthy's mouth, one of the first things that Congress is supposed to be doing under the new Speaker of the House is to get rid of the 80-some-odd thousand IRS agents and defund them. They're supposed to uh, fund American governance to help the American people not investigate them. Yeah, you betcha. Now, Representative Don Bacon, a Republican, said as much to the Hill. Will the United States gain from these concessions? The answer is yes and no. All it takes is one person to push a motion to vacate, and the 118th Congress will be doing this all over again. We'll do it again if only one of us can move to leave. How would you like to do this every week, Bacon added. By making that compromise, McCarthy essentially shot himself in the foot. But many of the other reported compromises appear to be no-brainers. One compromise is that expenditure... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. They, they might need be no-brainers to, you know, the American people that have been uh, hoping for these things to happen for, I don't know, 60 years? <laughs> yeah. 
But, but for the people in Congress, these are uh, power grabs by the minority, if you will. And, yeah. and that's another interesting thing about this whole issue and and the democrats just going after it you know saying that there's chaos in the republican party wait a minute democrats i thought you were all about the minorities voices being heard that's right and you know i mean initially on man some a lot of those votes matter of fact i remember a vote total of 211 votes and all the speaker needs is 218 to be confirmed and affirmed and seated but there was a democrat that showed prominently during the voting with 211 votes. And I think that they're talking about out of the 15, yeah, out of the 15 votes, this guy was scoring some high vote totals, you know, out of maybe four or five of those races, if you will. Well, it's because of the, uh, how closely split our house, our house is, is you at bet. this point. So, you know, he, he was able to do that. And of course there was talk about trying to uh, get some Republicans to come over and vote for a Democrat speaker. Exactly. And, you know, that would have been a minority that have been interesting to see take action because uh, that would have really disrupted the political party system. And I think what happened was, was just fine. I don't see any reason to take a couple extra days to get what the American people asked for. I mean, under Pelosi and under speakers for a long time, I mean, under Boehner, under, you know, you yeah. just keep going back, all the, the House speakers we've had, they gathered up all this power, not by constitution, not by the position in their party, because that's just the way it's always been. No, they did it by compromise. Using, right. Well, they did it by using the House rules, and they just said, look, we're going to raise all the money. It's the it's the House organizing caucus of each party that brings in most of the money for the political campaign, so you're going to do what we tell you to do, and that's how you're going to vote. And so that's what happens, and this time there just had to be some people that stood up and said, Congress isn't supposed to be about the money. What about the principles and the rules separating power and not just, I mean, if you're going to have a congressional leader and a speaker that basically decides what bills get heard, what bills pass, and everyone has to vote lockstep, that's all you need is a speaker. What's the point in having all the other people there? Right. You bet. Well, you know, I tell you, from person to person, their opinion is going to end up differing. But, you know, I'm always one that would like to go constitution over compromise. Now, I get it, ladies and gentlemen i mean today's political world with all of the various things that we've got (laughs) that are impacting our social fabric if you will it's basically compromise over constitution and you know what i don't have a problem with that tim as long as we are using the constitution as the basis right okay of where it is that we're going to end up going you know what i'm saying i mean everything's got to be based on the constitution not the compromise well well, i think the constitution and common sense i mean mike when was the last time that you passed your family's annual budget without looking at it yeah there you go you know i mean good point they're they're kind of upset oh 15 votes the congress is up in arms yeah because they funded the whole government they've done all sorts of damage to our country in 15 votes and they never even know what they were voting on exactly man so so now (laughs) and i do believe that's one of the compromises that, that is. McCarthy is is going to basically give up here. As opposed to one or two days of review, he's going to say, hey, we're going to look at this thing for three days you give before we vote on it. To, you to, bet. Yeah, so go ahead and go through those. Yeah. You bet. Now, one compromise is that expenditure cutbacks must be part of any plan to increase the debt ceiling. This is understandable considering America's massive national debt. Another compromise is that measures will be given a full three days for consideration before they are brought to the floor. 
Again, that seems more reasonable in light of the sheer volume of certain bills like the omnibus, which is, you know, thousands and thousands of pages. 4,155. There you go. And we have to vote on it first before we know what is in it. Yeah, and there's still still details about what's what's in it. And, of course, that big dollar amount that goes out, that's one of this this thing with the Congress is voting on appropriations. And that's I know that that's an issue that's coming up here on your list. But to fund all these things and not know what you're funding, you could be funding you know, communist activities in foreign countries and you don't have no idea where this money's going because it's being, you know, dispersed out to agencies that fund it to another agency that fund it to a private public partnership that then they fund a nonprofit and that nonprofit funds another nonprofit. And you have no idea where this money's being used. Exactly, man. And, you know, from c- congressperson to congressperson, from media outlet to media outlet, I mean, these guys can't even get how much taxpayer funding we have given to Ukraine. Okay, one day you'll hear it's 10, the next day you'll hear it's 45 or 40, then it's 50. No, it was 6, no, it's 100. I mean, nobody, <laughs> like you said, well, they don't the, know it, what they're voting on. Right, well, well, and in the process, how much money was laundered to entities to help position the Ukrainian government and their military. So, you, you know, you're going to fund, it's just like a homeless program. They don't fund money going directly to a homeless individual they fund a dollar amount to help that homeless individual how much actually gets to that homeless individual as far as services goes normally is a pretty small percentage a lot of organizations look at the pentagon losing you know trillions of dollars exactly so the pentagon when you're talking about arms and you're talking about funding to a foreign country how much money was lost before it even got there in the first place and and that's something that i don't think congress knows either no i don't think that they do man and that is pretty scary i mean considering these guys basically hold our lives in their hands. Well, and I think that Congress also sets a leadership tone. And it's not just about the debt, but it's also about how do we spend this money? Are we good stewards of the money? They're the house. It's the people's house, the power of the purse. They're supposed to look at our budget, tell America what they're using our money for when we're paying our taxes. And they have no idea. And of course, there's studies that get done. They don't pay any attention to those. They don't want to take hard votes. They don't want to do hard interviews to talk about where the monies went that they allocated for certain things because they didn't know what those certain things were. Exactly. And, you know, we've got to get away from that because now we have, you know, state and local governments that see all this federal waste and money that just flows in their direction at the local level. And they start acting the same way as far as accountability and actually using funds in responsible ways. Anyways, I got to use time responsibly. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Are you considering selling or buying a home this year? Call Jennifer Swisher at 509-220-5373. Perhaps you'd like to buy a home and have been discouraged by the high prices and lack of inventory. In this challenging market, you want to have an ethical advocate, a real estate agent with years of local experience and proven results. So what are others saying about Jennifer Swisher? Well, Bob and Debbie Johnson had this to say. We've used Jennifer Swisher for four deals over the years. She's been professional, timely, and kept us well-informed each time. We plan on staying in our current home for a while, but when we move again, we wouldn't use anyone else for selling our current home. How about Ross Kappen? Here's what he had to say. Jennifer went so far and beyond for me, it was unbelievable. She will always be my prize fighter. I honestly lost my funding three times, and every time Jennifer came back with a new idea on how to make the sale work. Thank you so much, Jennifer Swisher. How about Lexi Regan? Here's what she had to say. We used Jennifer to buy our house three years ago. I highly recommend her to anyone. 
She's responsive, kind, understanding, knowledgeable, and wants the very best for you. Call Jennifer now at 509-220-5373. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining Mike and Tim on 20 Never Kevins and the McCarthy Kisses this Tuesday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Hey, Guess what day Friday is going to be? Uh, it's not January 6th again. No. Friday the 13th. The first Friday the 13th of the year, man. In oh, case okay. anybody was wondering. All right. Going back to the rest of this that story means you're, here. You're, se- you're seven days past the second year mark of January 6th. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Big Bring, day. Bringing back the Holman rule is a concession by McCarthy that a large portion of the American public will likely support. In a nutshell, that regulation allows for pay cuts for public employees. Other reported compromises include the following. No funds can be used in safe Republican contests by a super PAC allied with McCarthy. Ooh, that was a personal one. Well, it's, not just, pers- it's not just personally. It was, it was that we saw not just this year, but in previous years, they always want to talk about kumbaya with the political parties, whether it's Democrat or Republican. Right, right. Now, the Democrat normally fall lockstep in place. They don't have. They don't believe in individuality. They believe in totalitarianism. Right. Yes. So they don't have members breaking ranks very often these days. But in the Republican Party, we still believe and hold dear to individual liberty. And individual thought. And you know, you want to talk about minorities having rights? I don't care what religion you are. Just don't put it in everybody's face and harass people. Yeah, Let exactly. people have their own rights, right? But that's not the Democrats. They want to shove it all in your face and down your throat and into your back pocket and you know pickpocket you while they're there. That's right. But the Republicans, you know, there's certain issues that fund the Republican Party in certain parts of the country, and they want to make sure that you know if you're going to end up in the congressional conference you're not going to do anything or say anything that might hinder fundraising abilities in those same areas, right? Exactly. Well, that's not what representative government's about, Mike. Mike, it's about representing the people of that district. So then what will happen is the Republican Party apparatus or the congressional organizing committees will come in to a district. They'll fund a particular candidate to try to oust the candidate that Mm -hmm. the people in that district want. And so they are, I don't know, it's kind of one of those things, not quite like Russia collusion, but I would say that they were trying to manipulate the outcomes of elections with money from foreign countries and huge big donors. Right. So that's what that rule is supposed to help avoid is McCarthy and friends are not going to go after some of these congressional Republicans that vote to represent their district because they don't like their vote. You bet. All right, continuing on with this list, folks. No funds can be used in safe Republican contests by a super PAC allied with McCarthy. A vote is imminent on several very important conservative proposals. Avoiding all-encompassing omnibus legislation, which makes it easy for politicians to slip items in. That is a priority. Disposable income will be capped at the 2022 fiscal levels. Freedom Caucus will have a greater number of representatives on committees. More amendments will be available for House members to propose. The ways in which the politicization of several federal agencies as targeted conservatives will be investigated by a special panel. Well, when we want to go back to that other piece, too, I think for a second as well, because that whole deal with not allowing amendments, where you'd have the speaker come in and say, we'll allow one amendment on this bill, and it's a giant bill that encompasses 
hundreds of thousands of different, you know, basically funding mechanisms all right. across the government in all the agencies like the omnibus bill. No, there should be any representative that's on the floor should have the same power as any other representative and should be able to challenge or amend any one of those issues. Exactly. Now, for the record, these are the only things that have been reported so far. McCarthy may have made additional deals behind the scenes as well, but we won't know about them until they rear their ugly heads. <laughs> That's right. Well, and we'll see how this all moves forward because, of course, it's not all set in stone until everybody's you know placed and the committees are set, and we'll, we'll see if the rules change at all between now and then. Yeah, you betcha. Alrighty, we're going to kind of switch gears and we're going to be covering the El Presidente, Joe Biden, who just happened to Sunday evening, ended up making his first trip as the United States president to the U.S.-Mexico border. And here is your headline. Did he, is, he really tripped over the border? <laughs> oh, no, he took a trip to the border. I, I got it. Got it. Got it. This comes courtesy of NBC News. Biden makes first trip as president U.S.-Mexico border as administration imposes restrictions. Now, President Joe Biden traveled to El Paso on Sunday to assess enforcement operations to U.S.-Mexico border. His first trip to the border since taking office. Just days after his administration announced new restrictions on asylum seekers amid record numbers of migrants attempting to cross into the U.S. And oh, you know what that numbers. message? You know, you know what that message was? He stood at the podium and pounded his fist gingerly on the podium and says, "Please don't come to the United States border." Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the border's closed. Well, and there's a sentence in there that you read that I think was worded kind of interesting because it said that it was his first visit since taking office, and that's not exactly accurate because. He took office in like 1907 <laughs> for the first time, and uh, he's been to the border. I'm sure he's vacationed in Mexico several times, you know, throughout the last 95 years that he's been in sure. uh, Congress. But this was his first visit since becoming the president of the United States, because he even took a visit there, I believe, when he was vice president, when the border wasn't completely collapsed, because Obama was only president for like a year at the time, I think. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Anyway, the trip comes amid repeated Republican criticism of the president for not traveling to the southern border, or getting the vice president of the United States to determine what the root causes were for all of these immigrants. <laughs> uh, she was busy talking about, you know, her ride on a Jim Crow school bus. Oh, and how cool school buses are, the electric ones. Yeah, that's, you bet, That's man. what Kamala was doing. You bet. Biden plans to demand Republicans in Congress fund his request for border security resources and to work towards comprehensive immigration reform, a White House official said. Now, during his visit to El Paso, Biden assessed enforcement operations at the Bridge of the Americas Port of Entry, the busiest port in El Paso, which recently received $600 million through the bipartisan infrastructure law. And he was joined on his visit by Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Texas Democrat Reps Veronica Escobar, Henry Cueller, Vincent Gonzalez, and community and business leaders, including El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser and County Judge Ricardo Semenigo. Biden also visited the El Paso County Migrant Services Center and met with community leaders, including those of religious groups and nonprofit organizations that have helped manage the surge of migrants. Now, upon landing, Biden was greeted by members of Congress and the other officials, including Representative or excuse me, Republican Governor Greg Abbott, who handed the president a letter demanding that he take further enforcement actions at the border. The demands included that Biden 
Biden worked to detain, prosecute, and remove more migrants under current federal laws and resume border wall construction, which the president largely halted after taking office. Now, after his visit, Biden will travel to Mexico City later on Sunday evening to attend the North American Leader Summit. Well, I'll tell you something, Tim. You know, I don't know if you heard what's going on over in Mexico City, but old El Chapo's son ended up getting arrested by the Mexican government. He was getting set up to be extradited to the United States of America to stand trial, and the Sinaloa drug cartel declared war, literally declared war on the Mexican government. All the videos... Well, why not? Why not? They've declared war on the Washington state government. I mean, have you seen the details of crimes committed just in the oh, last couple of years? Oh, my word, yes. Uh, like a Mr. Garcia that was just arrested again with fentanyl pills in Spokane area had to do with i believe a gun crime and had fentanyl pills he's been arrested numerous times he was even deported after his first seven year stint back in the early to mid 2000s right and and of course his last crime there was in yakima this most recent crime he was bringing drugs he also had a minor in the vehicle from yakima to spokane and uh, yeah they've been running the route here and running the drugs and, and so they're at war with us of course they're colluding with china with the fentanyl to be at war with us oh absolutely man but i mean i'm telling you this video footage of what was happening in downtown mexico city the fight between the cartels and the mexican military looked just like the videos that you were watching coming out of the ukraine i mean we're talking about you know heavy armor personnel carriers military vehicles machine guns uh, grenades there was even a commercial airline that got shot at and you saw videos of the airline passengers hunched, you know, hunkered down in between the seats and stuff. And you could hear the gunfire being levied at the at the airplane. So it got pretty hairy. Well, at, at the end of the day, the Mexican government said, no, we're not going to follow through with the extradition. So right. it'll be interesting to see what and whether or not the president is actually going to be able to go to Mexico City for his meeting is yeah. the point. Well, he, he might be able to because, you know, the American government, for the most part, has been and I don't know if you could say complicit because I think they've had more participation than that yeah. in allowing the drug carts to take over. I mean, even in the omnibus bill, the funding for the border actually doesn't secure the border. It's just to help, you know, basically process people and shove them into our country. And of course, many of those are turning into members of the drug cartel so that they can pay their bills. And of course, now we're talking about more subsidies. We know we subsidize the drug cartels with welfare and a lot of the other things, not directly to them only, but also that's what's funding the drug abuse in our own country is the money that's getting just thrown out there to nonprofits and to supposedly the low income that drives some really nice cars from city to city delivering fentanyl. Yep, you bet. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the end of the article basically has Joe Biden busting the newfound Republican majority in Congress right in the chops, man, saying words to the effect that the failure to pass and fund this comprehensive plan has increased the challenges that we're seeing at the southwest border so I, he, he's thinking he just like took him back to the woodshed is that what this exactly is? exactly and obviously you know the republicans and the democrats have got to continue to bash each other over the top of the head with regard to the immigration issue the border crisis and why would uh, they the do cartel that? war that's going on and why, and why would they do that because that's just the nature of politics well, now 
nowadays. Because, because it's the easy enemy. It's easier to beat up on the Republicans or the Republicans to beat up on the Democrats when we know that it's both of their faults. <laughs> yes, absolutely, man. This country has been run in a two-party system, and the Democrats and the Republicans have been, one of them has been in charge at all times, right? That's right. And uh, the border issue isn't new. I think, you know, probably when I was somewhere around the high school age group, right? Yeah. they were talking about 11 million illegals. Of course, I just heard some, you know, stinky Democrats say the same thing, 11 million, that right. same number. It's not 11 million, it's probably like 50, 50 nowadays six, who knows what it even is so but both parties are to blame for this because the border crisis we've seen the videos over the last few years oh yeah big time where's the wall where's the fence even right sometimes it just looks like an old busted down barbed wire fence <laughs> yes it wouldn't even hold in cattle <laughs> exactly man. so so you know both parties are to blame for this so that's why they blame each other back and forth because they know that if they can just keep pointing the finger over there they never have to sit down and take responsibility and actually take the brave action to say we're not going to allow human trafficking we're going to have a country yeah well i'll tell you you know if i was able to w wave a magic wand and uh, be the king of kings i would say round them all up and export them <laughs> well, and, well for, first you have to stop the new governor of arizona from taking down the containers that's securing parts of the arizona border right i believe it was, or nevada at Nevada. That's yeah, right. It yeah. is Nevada. And unfortunately, it's it was insane. a court-ordered thing. Right. Well, but it was the, that administration that filed the lawsuit, lawsuit to get the court order that says you can't secure the border. It's just nuts. Nuts. <laughs> that being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.